0: You went from being mm-hmm. like a working comic, which is hard, mm-hmm. to being like a star, like Hilarious. a comedy star where people like probably stop you in the street and you know, Oh my god, I love you and, and on weekend update and all this stuff. So it was like that is what you're experiencing is not normal at all.
1: You know, there is, I think I'm on the show in an interesting period of time where like there's teenagers on TikTok who like eat dog food that are like twenty thousand times more famous than me.
0: That is the voice of Sarah Sherman. Uh, we are back. This is uh, this is one of our favorite episodes of all time, and we're re airing it because Sarah Sherman. If you missed it, is just on fire. Uh, she's crushing on SNL right now. She crushed on uh, Miley Cyrus's New Year's Eve special. She's just phenomenal. Um, And she's perfect for this show because, uh, you know, the the nature of the show is. We interact and we kick around ideas and everything's loose and first draft. And she is just like super game, super yes and for everything. Um, I think she's fantastic. I think you're going to love this one. Oh, look out for um, I'll be in Salt Lake City and Mesa, Arizona in March. There's some other announcements about the spring tour coming out soon. Stay tuned for that on the mailing list at burbigs.com. And enjoy my conversation with the great Sarah Sherman. You and I were at the comedy cellar the other night, and I'm losing it watching you in the back of the room because I was going after you.
1: God, somebody's got to
0: be losing it. Losing it, like I would say, it was one of the more inspirational, like comedy performances I've seen, like in years. Oh
1: my god!
0: Because you're so, and it's similar to what you do on SNL and Weekend Update, you seemingly so don't care. <laughs> It's, how it goes. And then it, it has this sort of Andy Coffin mm-hmm. quality where it's like, oh my God, it's gonna go down in flames and then <laughs> it doesn't. It's the opposite.
1: It's so funny because I care so much to the point, like I will die early. Like I will, <laughs> I will have heart problems. Something. Will, I care so much to the point of like, even that set you saw at the Cellar last night, like I... Still, I'm kind of nervous about trying new stuff there because I want to do so well. Oh, my gosh. So I'm whipping out – I'm dusting off the oldest material you've ever seen out there. Really? And it's like it doesn't feel very – you know. I feel a little bit like a coward there where I'm, like, afraid to push my – I mean, that's fine. Yeah. That stuff is, like, old, so I know it works, even though it's insane. Yeah.
0: Well, like, you, for example, like, you have a bit where you, like, keep doing, like, saying New York. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm from New York, like, in that, like, a New York accent Mm -hmm. over and over and over again Mm -hmm. to the point where it's not funny, and then Uh it's funny again, Uh and then it's not funny again, and then it's funny again in in sort of, like, Andy Kaufman, like, David Letterman tradition. Uh Uh-huh. When I'm watching, I'm like, does does she know that she's going to get him back?
1: It's – that joke in particular is so old that I've, like, gone back in – I've revisited it to do, like, a basically kind of, like, autopsy on it or I'm, like, opening it back up again to see how far I can push it in different directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when you know a bit, like, inside and out for years, you know it works – And then, when you get back into it and like open it up and mess around in the guts of it to see like maybe there's a different kind of angle to put on it. Yeah. So, with that bit, I've tried my new experiment with it is seeing how long I can stretch the absurdity of it. (laughs) And I haven't been timing myself, but I I am wondering if I am saying the same thing over and over again for at least like two minutes or something like that. It seems really long. Yeah. I'm curious.
0: I'm gonna play a clip of you on Weekend Update.
1: Oh, no. No, I don't have to watch (laughs) it.
0: No. (laughs) Okay. Hi, Colin! Hey, Sarah. So, how's your time at the show been so far? What's
1: not to love? Laughing, comedy, New York City. (laughs) But I'm not gonna lie, dude. I've got some feedback.
0: You got feedback already?
1: (laughs) Yeah! And I got a lot of questions about the show. First off, why is it live?
0: Well, the name of the show is Saturday Night Live.
1: Don't you think that's a little scary, Colin? I could say something right now that could ruin my life and yours.
0: <laughs> Please don't.
1: I kind of want to. I'm crazy.
0: <laughs> don't, though.
1: Anything could happen. I could have a nip slip right now.
0: Sarah, you're buttoned up to your neck.
1: <laughs> you don't know where my nipples are.
0: Well, okay, I feel like I know where most people's nipples are.
1: Huh, do you? This just (laughs) in, local pervert Colin Jost claims he's seen most people's nipples. Now, back
0: to you. What hooked me on your comedy on SNL is, like, I feel like that show, I love that show. People know how much of a fan of the show I am. It's hard to have your own voice on that show. The show really has Mm -hmm. a voice. Mm -hmm. Like, It's very topical. It's very, you know, there's, like, a certain type of tone that that show always has. And, Mm -hmm. of course, the different cast members give it a different personality. But you're, like, so you? Mm -hmm. With, like, Colin, like, you, like, bully Colin, basically.
1: Yeah.
0: You, like, torment him. Yeah. And it's, like, how how do you get away with that? How do you have the boldness to even, like, bring that up or pitch that?
1: You know, like, it's... The only re—I think really the reason the bit works is because he's laughing really well the whole time. Like he is sitting there, and who I—I I mean, I think you know. I don't want to toot my own horn, but i, I actually I do think it is genuine laughter that he. Oh yeah, <laughs> seems know, like it. Yeah, but he's doing a really good job of being like, I'm okay with this. I like this. Um, but you, I could tell like when I got there like. He has a good sense of humor. He, yeah. He knows what he looks like. He wrote the book Punchable Face. Right. So, like, roasting him is, like, so – it's so easy. It's almost, like, too easy, you know what I mean? Cause I, it's kind of like – it feels like, to me, a cheap trick a little bit where I, like, got on the show and I was like, you know, I'll just make fun of the guy. Oh, that's hilarious. But he – I mean, I owe that bit doing well to him because I joined the show – and I was kind of having trouble figuring out how to get stuff on the show because it's, it's, I'm a stand up. Yeah. And I've never written like in an ensemble before or like cooperatively with people before. Yeah. I, I write all those update bits with the Please Don't Destroy Boys and yeah. Celeste, my friend Celeste, who writes on the show. And, it's like, the, it's, like, the best experience, writing with people. Oh, like yeah. Like, they are giving me jokes that I say that make me look funny. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: I love <laughs> Celeste. Like I love Celeste. I love the Please Don't Destroy b- boys, as you refer to them. They're boys. Do they call themselves boys?
1: No, but I definitely do. <laughs> All right,
0: then I will, too. Yeah. The Please Don't Destroy boys. I think I'm, like,
1: three times their age at this point. <laughs> And so, like, when I was, like, I want to do this bit where I mercil- mercilessly torment Colin, <laughs> I mean, there's, like, a, a Google Doc sitting somewhere with, like, 800, oh, like, my jokes about him.
0: It's, I think the reason I enjoy that so much, and I know Colin, I love Colin, he continues to defy my expectations of him. Like, his book is so good. Like, Punchable Face is so good, and I, I so thought, like, that won't be good. Because he hasn't had it hard he's a handsome he's a handsome funny man Got and then it's like it. no it's great.
1: It's so fun to make fun of someone who's
0: handsome. I know it's it's so satisfying <laughs> for me to watch it as a viewer because I'm like yeah, <gasps> take him down.
1: All of the jokes are also like really we've pushed it like the last installment of the weekend update the jokes are basically like like all of them are we're, I'm literally saying like you're a pedophile who keeps interns <laughs> in cages. <laughs> Those are the jokes, and he's never once been like, that's too
0: far. (laughs) You literally – one of the ones that I love so much is that you do a tour of the studio, (laughs) a fake tour of the studio, and you go into his dressing room and you go to his mirror and it's fake daily affirmations that you put on. You are funny. Like, you are intelligent.
1: If you pause it on that, like – if you screenshot whatever that moment in the studio, yeah, you can see it's all kind of rejected jokes that we had from the bit. Like Martin Hurley, he wrote a joke that was like, "You will be in a Marvel movie," oh my and god. that's on a post-it. Oh, and then it says something like, "Dinner with Giuliani later." Oh
0: my god!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you what's your what was your most like surprising day working at SNL? You've been there for a year. Um... You've, like, exploded on the show. No one explodes in their first year on the show. It, like, never happens. Even, like, I remember in the 90s, I was an intern on Conan. Will Ferrell didn't even explode in his first year. He was, like, he was good. Mm -hmm. And everyone was, like, oh, he's very good. But you're, like, exploding. You have your own segments. I
1: think it's because literally, like, the the writers are so good that are helping me. Like, like, that's, like, the... I think I was telling you this the other night. It's, like the most liberating feeling in the world to work with other people like after yes. like 8 years of only like stand up is like you're you're writing your own stuff which and you're all by yourself which means you put all of the pressure on yourself yeah. and it's like
0: you're everything you're the writer you're the director you're the performer
1: yeah and so you're the only person to blame if it goes poorly yeah. and then it's not like you're self-congratulatory when it does well. It's just like you it's another day of surviving, basically. Right, right. But like when you're working with other people, it's like, you know, when things go well, you're like you feel proud of this other person. You know what I mean? It's like well, It's like or, Ted
0: Lasso, you won the game. It's like
1: Ted Lasso, we won the game. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And I think even if things go wrong when you're writing with someone else, it's not like there's no blame. It's like, you, I don't know. It's just so, I've never, I've never. Well, you go down other. together. Yes. I mean, that's
0: what, that's the joy of, because, you know, don't think twice came out of like, I did college improv. I wasn't yeah. like, didn't do it a lot in my 20s, but like I did college improv and those were my best friends. Mm-hmm. And it was like. If you kill, you kill together. If you bomb, you bomb together. It's totally. so fun.
1: It's so fun, and you feel like supported. Which in like stand up, even though obviously there's a community, it's like obviously you're all alone. And if and I didn't realize how bad stand up feels until <laughs> I've done something that isn't stand up. Like no, you're never, absolutely right. Yeah, because now now that I know what it's like to like have work with people who care. It's like when you're doing standup you don't work, the only person you work with is someone who hates you which is yourself. Oh my god that's so funny. <laughs> so it's like oh I'm working with my friends like the show I I so I owe like literally any whatever small amount of success I've had getting stuff on the show or whatever to like you know all the writers like this my friend Dan Bulla who I wrote that meatballs I oh my wrote God, that the meatball meatballs sketch, sketch is amazing well so Dan you know we're like you know we're working on the show everybody's writing weird stuff he calls me one day and he was like i had this like idea for a sketch where you're like <laughs> covered in meatballs and i'm like i love you
0: who influenced all this cuz like i was referencing david letterman and andy kaufman but i feel like those folks are before your time
1: but andy kaufman is literally a long island jew who went to the synagogue down the street from my no. synagogue? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we overlapped, but I mean, I've always oh, yes, loved Andy. You did. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, he's still out there, so exactly.
1: I I mean, obviously, I love him, but I like, I don't. I was I always loved stand up. Like I was obsessed with like Todd Barry in high yeah. school. It makes sense. And that's brilliant. He's brilliant. Were you
0: I I would guess you'd like Kristen Shawl.
1: Totally. I uh Maria Bamford. Yes, Maria
0: Bamford's brilliant.
1: And then I was like also doing a bunch of like visual art stuff like separately. And then when I started performing in the like Chicago DIY noise music performance art scene, and I was seeing all these crazy performance artists using like, you know, blending all different types yes. of mediums. That's when I was like Oh, I can perform with my visual stuff. Right, um, and is
0: that how they spotted you? It, like, did, like did SNL spot you like doing your solo show in Chicago?
1: No, they they I did JFL stand up last year, and they just saw me do stand up. No kidding, you did. Mm-hmm. So you did
0: Just for Laughs in Montreal, which they, is like the biggest. It was a COVID comedy in the COVID version. Oh no way!
1: So it was um, no way. Mm-hmm. You
0: were saying you did it virtually?
1: No, it was like just a show at the Dynasty Typewriter. So I didn't have to go. I I just literally be, This is
0: the weirdest story. It's so you didn't even go to Montreal. You performed at mm-hmm. the Montreal Comedy Festival, except it was in Los Angeles, uh-huh. streamed to Montreal, sort of. Who know what did they do? Right. Who knows? Yeah. And then you got SNL from
1: that? Yeah. Your life is so crazy. It was awesome. I did I literally drove 10 minutes from my house to do a stand-up show. Because I think when you when you get JFL, It feels like a really big deal because you go to Montreal and then you're there for a week and it's, like, all this stuff. Yeah. But then I just had to do, like, it just felt like a normal stand-up show. Like, go to the Dynasty Typewriter like you always do and do seven minutes of stand-up. Oh, my
0: gosh. It was low pressure.
1: It was low pressure. They just got to see me do stand-up. I didn't have to do any whatever crazy thing.
0: Did you – I saw that you wrote on the Jackass movie, the new Jackass movie. It's
1: generous. I, oh, really? I went I went for I, – I got hired for like one day to like do like – And they
0: put you on it, the screenwriting credits. Isn't
1: that cool? It is cool. I guess I can technically say that I wrote for the Jackass movie.
0: There's definitely cro- like shared DNA with you in like the Jackass universe in mm-hmm. the sense that it's like – there's something, even if you're doing a scripted bit on Weekend Update, there's something that's super real about
1: it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and, like, super, like, provoking about it. And, like, like, what? Like, the audience is sort of like, wait, what? It's, like, almost disorienting.
1: And, and they do body horror, except I do, like, fake version. Which right. is I, like, make my own practical effects and they just, like, literally hurt themselves.
0: <laughs> do you? Do you feel like... Would you ever do something like that, like a jackass, like where you're the person?
1: I, so this is like a humiliating story actually, but I was like, oh, I can do a jackass bit. (laughs) And then like was making this whole project where I like had made these like big paper mache boobs that when you punch them exploded blood because they were like these like, blood water balloon thing. Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. And then I you. had my friend... Hacky
0: bit, everybody's seen it. I mean,
1: it's classic. Who has not <laughs> at this point? And then I had my friend, like we were testing it out and I had these... And I had my friend like punch me in the boob and like oh my God. it hurt so bad and <laughs> I was so hurt and I just never did a jackass bit ever again.
0: Oh, that's so funny. And it like
1: ruptured a blood vessel inside of one of my boobs oh and my, my nipple was gushing God. blood for like days.
0: <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> I crowdsourced us to Twitter today. Questions for Sarah Sherman. Aaron Reed's stuff asks, What's the hardest part of being an SNL newbie? It's a hard question. Do you feel nervous day one?
1: Oh, they, they do a really good job of just throwing you into it. So yeah. you're not. So you don't think about it. It's so – you're you're really busy and you're working. Yeah, yeah. So that by the time I was, like, on camera, I was so tired and, like, distracted. <laughs> yes, yes. Which I think, like – I think the lore of SNL is, like, it's so crazy, crazy schedule. Oh, my God. You know, you never sleep. Which is, like, true to some degree, but it literally helps you not be just, you know, rocking back and forth in your dressing room being like, I'm about to be on live television in front of millions of people because you're working.
0: Yeah. That's – I had the same thing. When I guest hosted for Jimmy Kimmel a few weeks ago, it was oh, like, yeah. People were like, was that nerve wracking? I was like, well, no, it's like you're surrounded by like 40 mm-hmm. people who are doing their job at like the height of their game. And mm-hmm. so you just sort of hit your mark and you collaborate with the people in the different departments. And then it happens. Totally. It does, it's like that famous Lauren Michaels line. It's like, it, it, we don't do it because we're ready. We do it because it's, it's 11 30.
1: Oh my God, that's so true. That is, I never heard that. You never heard that? It's it, like so, the
0: most famous Lauren line, I think. I literally don't know out.
1: anything. Everyone's always like <laughs> telling me shit that I don't know about. <laughs> the, I guess the hardest part is figuring out how to make something that feels true to yourself. Yes. Be, because that's the hardest part with anything. Like I think with stand up it's like unlimited freedom. Yeah. To the point of like even at the cellar they have everyone lock up their phone. It's like Right. If you not like if I say something crazy that could get me in trouble no one will tape it. It's more like there's no you can mess up and there's no evidence of it. And like I think that was that's my favorite part of stand up is like it's I mean I love live performance. Yeah. And so that's why I feel like literally blessed by God to be that I have a television job that's live performance. it's yeah. like that's the best part. Like I was st- struggling for a long time because with the changing internet landscape, like the only way for standups to like truly make money on the road is to like churn out internet content. Right, And I like truly could not do that because I am like a live performer. Yeah. Like I can't like do a, video and look at my own—I can't look at myself and, like, edit it or, like, I couldn't put stand-up clips online. I just was
0: it just totally, didn't fit with your personality and your skill set.
1: It was, like, paralyzing to me for some reason. And I also think, like, I, you've seen my— performance it's like it is fe- like you feel like physically threatened or, or it's like it's very live you feel like you maybe feel physically something threatened.
0: well yeah for example like you'll grab like people's drinks from the front row yeah. and be like can I have a sip and it's very like invading people's space
1: yeah in a time of COVID that's great <laughs> yes but it was like I was really struggling to figure out how to make that work like I've made a but like I've made like little movies, yeah, but they're not my up. yeah, so I was really struggling with that, and then like the fucking godsend blessing from heaven that now I'm like, it's a live show. it is like yeah um, it's live, it's the only thing that's like that, I mean,' Kimmel and like all those late night shows, yeah. the same thing, but I'm like, damn, I lucked out, like that's the best part of the show. It's live
0: on Twitter at its keys asks what's the weirdest, grossest thing you couldn't get on the show? I had, that, I had that thought too. I guess you probably couldn't get blood on, right? Like the stuff that you're describing as like gory. You from your,
1: can I, I don't want to say it because I do still think I can make it happen. You're holding a candle for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I get it. And, and they let me make it. The grossest thing, <laughs> they let me make it. We brought, it was at dress rehearsal. So people have seen it.
0: Love this tease. and Huge. This uh, is a scoop.
1: It's a scoop. Yeah. And it's disgusting and there's a lot of blood. And I was like, I couldn't even believe, like they are letting me try. Yeah. So they let me, me and PDD wrote something disgusting, Mm -hmm. brought it to dress rehearsal. Yeah. The reason it bombed at dress rehearsal was because I was new and like, didn't really know how to do the show yet. Yeah. And it, it didn't get cut because it was disgusting. They, they let me try. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe they'll let me make it next year. It's funny. There's a lot of blood in it. We have,
0: um, we have Daily Beast online, too. <laughs> this is someone on Twitter named A Keen Machine. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what inspires your iconic fashion choices? Right now you're wearing like a cannibal corpse shirt. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> just having fun. Having fun. Yeah. You enjoy it. I just have fun and I enjoy it.
0: There you go. I like That's looking at like a clown. Right?
1: Yeah. I'm and it literally is like, you know, be being a comedian, it's like there's no you're li- like there's no rules. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. I can literally, I never have to be an adult. I never have to grow up. I never have to wear a suit. I never have to do anything I don't want to do. Those are all
0: things Michael Jackson said, and then look what happened. Look what
1: happened. Local. <laughs> I do a tabloid headline about him. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, no, I love that, though, because it's like, I think I feel like a lot of the artists who I admire most, it's they went with their gut mm-hmm. on something, mm-hmm. and then it ends up being, as Keen Machine is saying, iconic. <laughs> And then the truth is, like most of those people who you admire, is like, no, then they went with their guts. Mm -hmm. They don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't really know what's amazing fashion. Like you're like, yeah, that's what I like.
1: I literally grew up like watching The Nanny.
0: My favorite.
1: (laughs) Yes, the sitcom from from the '90s. Yeah, my favorite part of the whole show was like she would get crazy discount designer Moschino suits (laughs) from Filene's basement. And I've just always looked like this. Fran <laughs>
0: Drescher, the nanny, Mr. <laughs> Sheffield,
1: Mr. Sheffield. Oh my
0: gosh! Have you okay. done that on the
1: show? No, but I guess there you amazing. go. There
0: it is. And this is what working it out is, everybody.
1: Wow! <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I guess I know what amazing impression is. Judge, watch out!
0: Oh, Mr. Sheffield, Mr.
1: Sheffield.
0: This is called the slow round. Do you have a memory from childhood that you always think of on a loop?
1: I'm in dream analysis,
0: like yeah, therapy right real? now.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. And this image that I have that's been up So when you're like, you know, paying attention to your dreams and like doing like dream work or whatever, you, you like now I remember my dreams every night, basically.
0: Do you keep one journal by the bed? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And um, the one that's been like, Ha- coming up a lot, which you know, who knows what this means. But my, I was fishing with my dad. Cause I'm from Long Island, and this image that I think about a lot is he's pulling up this fit. We're fishing. He's reeling in a fish. Another fish jumps out of the water and bites the uh, the bites the fish in half that we're pulling out of the water. Mm -hmm. And so then what we're left with on the dock is this like bloody head, but it's still alive and it's flopping around everywhere and there's blood spraying everywhere. Wow! And my dad's like stabbing the fish over and over again to kill it. And it like wouldn't die for like 30 seconds and it was just flopping around and spraying blood everywhere. And I think about it all the time.
0: It's a tricky one to interpret, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like... I think the gore of it has mm-hmm. to do with your comedy, probably, mm-hmm. things in your comedy.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was the first time, because I was a kid, that I'd seen, like, actual, real, utter violence. You know oh, so what I mean? so you had it
0: as a kid, that dream.
1: This was—I I saw it in real life as a kid. And so now it's the image that kind I see a lot— in my in my mind's eye, and it also has been appearing in dreams. Oh lately. my gosh! Mm-hmm. So that that's a real memory. It's a real memory. And my my analyst said, "This is me telling tales out of school." I hope he's not, you know, oh, don't want. He him.
0: or she or anybody, yeah, I mean, whoever it is.
1: The, exactly. The, um, he says that if your dreams are, like, my are really violent and gory, it's because your unconscious is trying to get your attention. So my unconscious is using that image from childhood to be like, pay attention to me. Wow. I'm telling you stuff.
0: I don't know what it is yet. Can you think of a time where you were scared and ran away?
1: Like, as a child or as an adult?
0: Child or adult?
1: Um, like... Maybe at this point a year and a half ago, me and my friends were making this video in the middle of the desert in Joshua Tree. Yeah. Sandy Honig and um my friends Luke, Taylor, and Wyatt Fair. Shout out to you guys. Nice. We're making a movie in the middle of the desert in the middle of the pandemic, because we were like, we have to shoot outside, yeah. like it's COVID or whatever. Yeah. And uh Fucking crazy desert tweaker, like, started <laughs> chasing us through the desert screaming. No. Yes.
0: Wait, chasing you, like, with a
1: weapon or, like— Like, his big pickup truck. Oh, God. And it was—and then he, like, you know, he was tweaking out, so he was, like, ripping all his clothes off. Or, oh, like, no. Yeah. So I literally, like, ran away.
0: Hold on. Hold scared. on. <laughs> Let's unpack this. You're shooting something. A guy comes mm-hmm. by in a pickup truck— like, gets out of his truck and, like, takes his clothes off?
1: Yeah, and, like, terrorizes us for, like, seven to eight hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like, because we were, like, shooting in the middle of the desert in the pitch black. And to illuminate the scene we were shooting, oh. we turned on the headlights of my friend's car. Oh, wow. And I had set up this, like, um this little set in the middle of the desert with these rainbow sparkly curtains to look like... Literally, I recreated the colors from Johnny Carson, Yeah, like the curtains, when I made them sparkly and stuff, because I was doing like a, me and my friend Sandy were making like an ode to Rodney Dangerfield thing, and I was just like in the middle of the desert, literally doing 10 minutes of Rodney jokes. Yeah. And I think this man who was, you know, having a sort of a, he was tweaking on something. Oh my gosh. He saw this like glowing mirage in the middle of the desert, and I think, thought it was maybe an apparition
0: or something and it
1: drove him like insane
0: did you ever see uh, Todd Glass do his impression of Rodney Dangerfield doing Mitch Hedberg jokes no this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen shout out to Todd Glass
1: do you want to hear my Todd Glass impression oh yeah relax
0: (laughs) (laughs) so Todd, Todd Glass does Mitch Hedberg oh no sorry Todd Glass does Rodney Dangerfield doing Mitch Hedberg jokes. He goes, "I like rice when you when you're really hungry and you want a thousand of something."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't get no respect at all. These staircases and escalator but broken.
0: Oh my gosh. Perfect. You're going to take Jack. his job oh as Todd ta- as Todd Glass. Todd, Todd Glass. Glass's job as Todd Glass.
1: He's literally the funniest person alive.
0: I opened for Todd early in my career. And similar to the way that you inspired me when I watched you the other night, he inspired me because I was like, oh, he has no rules with his comedy at all. Like, he'll literally, like, pick up someone's, like, chicken fingers in the front row and start eating them in the middle yes. of he If he's bored with what's happening <gasps> uh-huh. in the room, like, he's all about, like, what's happening in the room right now? Yes. Like, let's make it happen.
1: And he also, like, what, like, I feel like he was saying woke shit, like, before anyone.
0: He's a very woke guy.
1: I feel like, like, years ago he was doing shit where he was like, why am I, he had all those, that material that was like, why do all of my, like, friends who are, like, older, why are they saying all this, like, hateful shit on stage?
0: Yeah, he's great. I don't know, I don't know if this will make sense to people listening if they don't know Todd Glass, but it's like, he is, like, a great comic, and he's super original and provocative
1: and he's original and provocative in a way that's like <sighs> he's never i I think that you know you can be outrageous and provoking without you can be outrageous and pro- you can be outrageous and provocative without like fucking hurting people's feelings I think. Yeah. And I think he does a good job of that.
0: Do you uh, have you had bits where People have come to you and said, like, this hurt my feelings.
1: Um, I've gotten in trouble. Like it I've gotten in trouble in the past for like some I've triggered people yeah. and cause you know I'm show like, sometimes in my show, I'll have, like, a, a paper mache butthole that's, like, exploding hamburger helper me. And I'm showing that while I'm talking about, like, I wanna fuck my dad, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh and
0: what so, it, what it, I think that whatever at the end saves you know, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like,
1: it's like a whole thing, <laughs> but, like, I'm not gonna explain it here. <laughs> and, like, people have come up to me and been like, you didn't do a trigger warning. Oh, interesting. And then my reaction at the time was to apologize. Yeah. But, like, thinking back on it now, I was like, well, the poster for the show at the time was a uterus, something that I drew, which was like a uterus, and the ovaries were eyeballs, and then there was a severed finger in the vaginal canal. And so I'm like, that is kind of like, what did you expect I was going to do at this show? Right, it's going to be pretty explicit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's
0: going to be an explicit comedy show. Yes. What's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you that you used?
1: Um... It's going to sound so lame. So my friend Dynasty Handbag, she's like legendary performance artist, comedian who lives in L.A. who hosts this monthly show called Weirdo Night. And it's like the best show in L.A. It's truly what it sounds like. It's Weirdo Night. Yeah. Comedy, performance art, freak shit, whatever. She like saw me perform in L.A. once and like I was doing... Sometimes when I'm like not doing a sh- stripped down stand-up set... Um, I'll have like a book like video, sound, multimedia, whatever.
0: PowerPoint comedian.
1: PowerPoint comedy, of course. And she was like, You don't need to work so hard. She was like, enough. You are funny. Yes. And you I I can see you working really hard. Even, like, at the cellar, sometimes I, I'll feel like I'm, like, really, like, giving them the old razzle-dazzle tap dance routine, yeah. like, yeah. sweating on stage like a yeah. farm animal. And it's, I'm so afraid of them not having a good time. I'm so afraid of them not liking me. I'm so afraid of them not laughing Yeah, that I do feel like I work too hard it's like i don't need to have these fucking always with the bells and whistles i mean i even said to you after your set i was like i wish i could just get up there and say a joke jesus (laughs) i just i do a goal in life is i do want to just get on stage and feel confident enough to just i just say a joke I don't have to
0: do the whole fucking thing. But whatever you're doing <laughs> is wildly inspiring to me. I'm like loving every second uh, of it. It's crazy. Got to. When you were growing up, was there a group that wouldn't let you in?
1: Yes. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is college, but yeah, like, college is fine. Not I, not getting on my like college improv team. I was like,
0: oh no, kidding.
1: Like true- at Northwestern? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very competitive school.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Like, it's yeah, It's a
0: hard school to get into. It means you're a nerd.
1: Yes, yeah, I was a nerd. <laughs> and, like, truly, my whole life, I wanted to be a comedian. Yeah. And I, like, went to school near Chicago because right. comedians chicago, are from chicago, mecca, et
0: cetera. Yep.
1: And, like, you know, I was like, went to college being like, oh my God, it's going to be fucking awesome. We're going to do acid,
0: and smoke weed, and right. like, it's going to be crazy, and I'm going to be a comedian. Yep. Where do I sign up?
1: Yeah, and then people were like, you're not funny enough, and I was like, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> oh my God. Like, it was all, you know. Wait till you find out what my job's
0: going to be in 10 years. Hilarious. <laughs> Wait till I bring you down a fucking peg.
1: I do think rejection is ultimately good for you.
0: Yeah. That's that's your advice right there. Yeah. It probably did push you. Not getting an improv group.
1: That and then just like, you know, stand-up is like constant rejection.
0: I always say that to Uh people. Whenever they're considering doing stand-up, I always say, do it regardless of Mm -hmm. whether you're going to end up being a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. Because... It's just great. It's it's just great practice getting up in front of strangers talking, totally. Totally. mostly failing, and
1: just being okay with people not liking you most of the time. Absolutely.
0: It's <laughs> great training for everything. It's great training for being a parent. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. If
1: I'm like ever bombing in front of a kid, it's lights out for me. Yeah. I need kids approval so badly. And like you know when you're like you you're like little cousins or something, or like any of my friends who have kids and I'm like trying to entertain them, they're not laughing. I'm yeah. like, this is worse than oh yeah, anything. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> what is what's the what's the assumption people make about you sometimes that that they get most wrong? Or like you feel misunderstood or
1: um I think a lot of times, maybe with alternative comedy. I keep talking about comedy. I don't know if you're maybe no. asking real questions about me as a person. Either way, yeah, yeah. I think like with alternative alternative comedy, people are like, eh, it's you know like weirdo stuff. Yeah. But it's like the whole thing about comedy is that you're you. It's a way to like access people and identify with large groups of people. And, yeah. If you're la- like, you're trying to make people laugh. So you're yeah. trying to make people identify with you. Yeah. So, I don't. I think a lot of times people people think I'm like too weird or too alienating. But it's I'm like I'm not, it's for everyone. Yeah. Comedy is for everyone. And I'm not that insane.
0: Yeah. Well, you yeah you kill. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> 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 um. What nicknames have you had in your life?
1: Well, Sarah Squirm was a nickname. Oh, it was. My friend Ethan Mermelstein in high school called me and Sherman because
0: I was oh like so dis- –
1: <laughs> I just was. And so then I just like kind of adot- – and then people just called me Squirm my whole life after that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and then I like moved to Chicago and I was like performing with all these like freaky musicians going by like – Piss, 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 moan, moan, moan. And like blood liquor and oozing wound. So I was like, yeah, it be Sarah Squirm when I perform, you know.
0: I love that.
1: So like, yeah. It it was like a good nickname.
0: Do you ever think about having it like at the top of the credits of SNL say Sarah Squirm instead of Sarah Sherman?
1: It's kind of nice, like clocking into work as Sarah Sherman and then... I had this like night gig. Right. where I'm Sarah Squirm and it's different. Right. And it's like not what they've seen on TV.
0: Right. It's your superhero identity. Yeah.
1: It's my superhero. Or my, it's definitely my, my Joker identity or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i going to go to material. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, keep in mind, this is new material. Mm-hmm. This isn't done. It's half, a lot of these are half-baked ideas. Mm-hmm. And if it makes you think of anything, you can tell, tell your own story about the same thing. But I thought of Chicago things because mm-hmm. you started in mm-hmm. Chicago. I was at Steppenwolf with my show Old Man in the Pool last month, and so I wrote down a few notebook things. Mm-hmm. There was a place on my corner did an Airbnb in Chicago, and it had an infrared sauna.
1: hmm
0: And I don't even know what that means, but they said it was healing. So I walked into the sauna with the sauna attendant and she said, don't be alarmed. You're not going to sweat on the outside like you usually do. (laughs) It was one of those moments where I knew I shouldn't ask follow-up questions because the answers were probably going to be wrong (laughs) and make me second guess the whole thing being a scam. But I did it. I go, do you sweat on the inside and she said yes you sweat on the inside i'm talking to this woman and i don't think she knows whether sweating on the inside really exists and i don't know if sweating on the inside really exists we're standing there in this sauna together confidently discussing the idea that soon i will be sweating on the inside 20 minutes later i'm in the sauna i can't describe it any other way it felt like I was sweating on the inside. <laughs> that's <laughs> the whole bit. Literally, it's what I wrote down.
1: Well, literally, the what struck me about what she said was like, you're not going to be sweating on the outside like y- you usually do. And I kind of interpret oh, that as like, funny. as you usually do, you <laughs> yes. fat, fat slob. Easy. Fucking pig. Easy.
0: <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> But I immediately take it as a judgment on myself yeah. of how I sweat. Like you usually do. Jesus Christ. You don't Christ. know me. Fucking.
1: You think you know me? You think I'm a pig in heat? Jesus <laughs> Christ.
0: So I wrote that down and then I wrote down this because this is at this infrared sauna place. They also had, by the way, have you ever even heard of infrared sauna? I no. literally didn't know what it was. It
1: sounds like it will give you cancer.
0: Yeah. And by the way, like A probably cancer. <laughs> don't say no. One. <laughs> I'm not gonna say the name of the place. Um But also like who why am I trusting this place? I've never even heard of infrared sauna. Why am I even doing this?
1: Where I mean, that's lit that's so classic. I'm in town doing my show and being like, I guess I'll go to the place in Ohio that has hot dogs where they put fruit loops on the hot dog. (laughs) I'm here. I'll do the local thing.
0: So then they also had did do like float. Sensory. Would, oh, did you do that? No,
1: but it, you, you, I was literally wondering if I heard infrared sauna and it made me think about these float
0: tanks. Yeah, so what? I did it. I did oh, it. And? Well, I have a story.
1: <laughs> I am genuinely curious too. <laughs> okay.
0: I'm at the infrared sauna place. They have the, this floating sensory deprivation tank, which is like salt water in a little kind of like coffin. I don't know what it's called. and And the woman walks me in. It's like literally the size of a coffin. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I go, what do I do in there? Like, I literally don't know what it is. I'm like, I'll do the float thing. I don't know what it is. She's like, you lie down, it's salt water, it holds you up. You're in, you can adjust the lighting and the sound, like mm-hmm. it's music, mm-hmm. so that it can be pure darkness. That's the sensory deprivation part of it. And, and she goes, uh, and you can just fall asleep even. And I, and I go, but wouldn't that mean, and she cuts me off, that you'll drown? No. The salt water, and I quote, the salt water won't let you flip over. It's like the Dead Sea. And I'm thinking, why do you think they call it the Dead Sea? People die. Then I looked it up. That's actually not why they call it that. Joke's on me. The point is, I'm in this tank. True story. Uh-huh. I have the button for music, button for, for light. I get overconfident. I'm like, I'm going to go full darkness. Ten minutes later, I'm in a full panic. Can't find the light. Can't find the music. Can't find the door. The sensory deprivation is working. And I started to freak out. I'm like, okay, I can't drown. She said, I can't drown. That's good. Keep pushing this wall, thinking it's the door. It's like, what? Like three times, four times, I'm like pushing a wall in darkness. And then I think to myself, why don't I push the opposite wall? So I pushed the opposite wall, and it was the door that got me out, which is a great lesson in life. Never go into a sensory deprivation chamber. (laughs) Is it bad that that whole
1: story made me want to go to that more than anything? Because I have been thinking about wanting to go.
0: It's kind of awesome. I'm going to go back.
1: There's this, uh, oh my God, what is it? Ken Russell? Oh, my God, am I... Ken Russell.
0: (laughs) You tell me. (laughs) You keep saying this is the question mark.
1: Ken Russell has an amazing movie, Altered States, and it's about a guy who gets addicted to going into these sensory deprivation tanks and he goes... It basically um, breaks time and space and he goes insane and there's like all... It tears a hole in like every dimension of of the universe. Oh, wow. And it's, uh, it's a scary movie. Nothing has ever made me want to do anything more. And seeing someone go insane in a sensory
0: deprivation tank. Do you have any bits you're working on? Or half-baked things?
1: It's not a bit yet. Okay. But I, like, literally um, wanted to really badly get on stage. Uh, It's so boring, but I did want... I wanted to do, like, an airplane joke. Okay. Where... Because I was on a... um, I went to Chicago last week, and... On the one trip to Chicago, the f- plane made two emergency landings. <laughs> what? And one, they were like, "Hey, no. yeah, on they, the same flight." They were literally like, "Hey, what's up?" Um, like the plane's broken. We're gonna land in um Cincinnati, and I was like, "Totally, one hundred percent." And then we landed in Cincinnati. We changed the planes. We got we were back in the air. My my show was at eight p.m., and they were like. We were back in the air and they were like, okay, hey, what's up? There's a tornado. We have to emergency land in Detroit. Okay. And everyone on the plane is like freaking out. Like, are we going to be okay? And I'm like Googling like how far, like how long is the drive from Detroit to to Chicago? I know. yeah. Yeah. And then we made an emergency landing in Detroit and the pilot got off the plane and was like, in my 33 years of flying, this has never happened one time.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And then I was thinking of a bit that was like... A really pro, like all my bits, really prolonged, (laughs) absurd. Like, like what's the worst thing you that could happen? Like you're on a plane. Like people are afraid of flying. It's like what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you fucking, you're in the air. You hit horrible weather. The plane splits in half. You watch every single person around you scream bloody murder, call their family members, (laughs) and die and explode in painful deaths. (laughs) Like what are you fucking pussy? Something oh, like that.
0: Gosh. I love that. <laughs> Something like that. You're like diving headlong into like everyone's deepest fears. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, what okay. are you afraid of? Blah 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 blah. So what? You
1: die? Get over it.
0: Yeah. Something like that. I don't know what the bit is yet, though. Yeah. Like, well grow it? up. What's the worst thing? Yeah, what's the worst thing that gonna happen? You land in the water, everybody tries to deplane, yeah. you're all drowning because it's like seven feet below the left sea level. Aww. And so like you're almost gonna live, but then you don't live. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen?
1: Yeah, what's the worst thing that can happen? You hear the woman next to you crying bloody murder on the phone's to her, like her only child? Like, get over it.
0: I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? It's like everyone's on fire you're looking at human beings <laughs> who are complete strangers completely on fire and it's kind of like that cliche like liar liar pants on fire <laughs> except it's their whole body on fire and then you die i mean what's the worst thing that could happen what's the worst thing that could happen 9112 get over oh it 9112 <laughs> okay and we're not releasing this Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we're not releasing this because um, the Bush family is going to take it down.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, look out. Um, I actually have an airline joke, too. First of all, I think that joke is great.
1: It's not bad. But I what's to, the
0: worst thing that can happen Is so funny and then you say the things? I, it's funny to me.
1: Because everyone is a, afraid of... Flaw- I think, like, the joke has to be, like, everyone... like. W- why are we flying? This is defying God, by the way. Right. <laughs> and it's like, everybody's afraid of it, obviously.
0: It's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, one of the windows of the plane smashes open, and uh, we see the person next to us. Their body suck through the window <laughs> and break into pieces. What's the worst thing that could happen? And What's the worst
1: thing that ha- could happen? You're sitting there knowing that your fate is soon to be what just befell before you. <laughs> My gosh. And you're about to be a... You're about to... Um, Your body is about to become a splat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God.
0: laughs> a splat. I wrote it. I, you're saying you're like reluctant really to like an airline joke. I had an airline joke from Chicago, too, because I was flying Southwest Airlines. Mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that midway flight to Chicago is really solid from LaGuardia. I love the, the people. I appreciate the simplicity of Southwest Airlines, but if I'm being entirely honest, whenever I walk to the gate, there's some part of me that thinks the entrance of the plane is going to be a tube attached to a bus. (laughs) And the thing about us Southwest Airlines customers is we're not picky. We're all going to be good with it. We're going to be like, I guess now we take the bus. This is what we deserve. (laughs) I like Southwest cuz if there aren't a lot of passengers I think you fly the plane and you can have a barbecue or something like that. I'm not <laughs> sure exactly what the rule is. <laughs> I think Southwest Airlines slogan should be, "We have some aerpl- <laughs> We have some airplanes, you figure out the rest." It's it's so, there's so much freedom. It's more American than American Airlines It's so stupid.
1: Well, I would even say it's like not it's a, it's not American.
0: It's a socialist utopia. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, because it's general admission. It's general admission. Yeah. It's a
1: classless society. It is
0: classless, yeah. And it's and classless. And classless.
1: <laughs> and it's a living, breathing <laughs> example of maybe um Marx's Marx, Karl Marx's ideal society uh breaking down into utter chaos. <laughs> Bernie Sanders Airlines. Bernie Sanders Airlines. <laughs> it's uh it's not just for the 1%. Actually, they won't go near it.
0: <laughs> yes, it's true. I love, I enjoy I enjoy a nice southwestern Oh
1: my two free bags? Are you yes. kidding me? It's amazing. Yes. I love southwest. You fly into Midway, yeah. you get a pastrami sandwich from um, <laughs> Immediately
0: it's about food. What's <laughs> about Manny's? Get oh, you Manny's?
1: Manny's deli inside Midway. Yeah. That's the yeah, it's immediately about food. <laughs> there, there's no way they feed you on Southwest
0: no no and also I'm just not there yet I'm not there <laughs> yet on food I'm really not
1: just any food in general no
0: no I'm just not there yet on food on airplanes I'm just like you know I'm gonna go mask I, I respect the no I mask see. but I'm gonna mask Wow. I see where you're coming from but also there's like 200 of us Why not wear a mask? So you're not even drinking water on the plane. No, I actually don't. (gasps) I think I would on a six-hour flight.
1: Wow. I don't think if somebody walks by me with chips, there's literally nothing anyone could do to stop me from eating chips.
0: What's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> a thousand potato chips smack you in in your face, and your skin breaks into pieces until you die. What's, What's the, the worst w- thing that could happen? What's the
1: worst thing that could happen? Just when you put a chip in your mouth, you hit turbulence that the chip goes vertical in your throat and oh does that gosh. thing. What's that thing? You get like a vertical <laughs> chip in your throat where it's like goes oh completely. <laughs> God.
0: I don't know if there's a term for that, but it's awful. It's uh, a horrible image. You all know what I'm talking about when this
1: when the chip goes wrong in there.
0: Oh, of course. I, I mean, I, I've, I've imagined it. I don't know if there's a term for it.
1: It's when the chip goes
0: crazy. What's the worst thing that can happen? You go fishing with your dad. You catch a fish. <laughs> when the fish goes up, another fish eats that fish and scene. It.
1: <gasps> God, it's an amazing. Maybe I got something's got to happen with that.
0: Yeah, it's, God, it's a beautiful think, image. Phenomenal. I think you could merge it with the. What's what's the worst going to happen there?
1: What's the worst that could happen?
0: You tell that story earlier in the show, and you, you bring it back with what's worst, worst thing that could happen bit.
1: I like never like tell like true stories on stage. Really, I know,
0: but you sort of do because like because the thing about your dad, like in New York, it's yeah. like from a grain of truth. Yeah. So you sort of do. I I think that that fish image is phenomenal for a joke, and I think what's the worst thing that I'm gonna tie in that we're gonna no, leave that you're for another right, day because I'm I'm literally I haven't written a new joke. I need this. I think I I think it's all I think it's all in there. I think you should start from some of the some of the memories. Even the desert story is great, and you can just embellish from what happened. Like the fact that like this tweaker came at you, like that's a great start, Mm -hmm. like a phenomenal start to a joke. Tell you the half of that. Oh really? Oh my god! What a
1: nightmare.
0: The final thing we do on the show is uh we do working out for a cause and we give we donate to an organization you think is doing a good job, and then we'll link to them in the show notes and encourage people to do the same.
1: Food bank, NYC, give people food.
0: Yes. End of story. End of story. Period. I give to I've been given to food <laughs> banks for so many years. Uh I try in every town I tour in to mm-hmm. give to the food bank locally, because I think of myself as like a part-time resident of that place. Even if you're there like a little bit at the time, food banks. If people are listening, donate to your local food bank. They stretch a dollar farther than you can possibly imagine. You can't believe it.
1: That's good. Donating in every city that you're in, you do have an impact on the city. You're part of the city. Yes, you're part of for a period of time. You're part of the city. You're part of the economy for a period of time. You took a plane there, which means you brought all those fossil fuels in there. Yeah. Your carbon footprint is huge because you're driving around going every float tank in the city yeah. while you're there. What's
0: the worst thing that could happen? You have $10 less than you used to have?
1: <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen the second you um, click donate on your phone, you get hit by a plane in 9-11 too? <laughs> <laughs> oh my <gosh>. I didn't. A <laughs> little <That'll> help. <laughs> just to be
0: clear, I didn't laugh at that. Yeah, that was the, like a,
1: a ghost came in and laughed. At there time. was a ghost.
0: Yeah, moments ago, a ghost came in, laughed at that, laughed And I'm here just to say, shame on you, Sarah Sherman.
1: That's every time my boyfriend farts in the Yeah, I've got a boyfriend, whatever. Everyone relax. Todd glass, everyone relax. Every time my boyfriend farts in the apartment, he was like, Oh my god, like someone just like broken and farted. Oh my (laughs)
0: god. Wait, that
1: was so crazy. Someone just like literally broken and farted. (laughs)
0: Uh, Sarah Sherman, Sarah Squirm, I'm in awe of you. Oh my god. Continue to be a huge fan. Thank you for coming out working out working it out, because it's not done. We're working it out, because there's no... Work. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Uh, Sarah Sherman, a.k.a. Sarah Squirm, as she goes by on stage. You can follow her on at Sarah Squirm on Instagram. You can watch her on SNL. You can see her on tour, which, again, couldn't recommend more highly. Our producers of Working Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Ben Cruz. Supervising engineer Kate Bolinski. Sound and video recording by Chuck Staten, with help from Gary Simons. Associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. As always, a very special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. And of course, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet Jay hope Stein, Very special thanks to our daughter, Una, who helped create the original radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Uh, Thanks. And by the way, thanks for telling your friends. Uh, I noticed a bunch of you did some Apple podcast reviews, which I so appreciate. A lot of you listening found us through the Jimmy Fallon episode. And that's been really cool. There was a a clip of that on TikTok that w- was seen by literally millions of people, which was outrageously cool. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We're working it out. We'll see you next time, everybody.